Hi folks, a very quick announcement before we get started on the episode this week. And that is a huge thank you to Katie Unicorn Stewart. I don't know if your middle name really is Unicorn. If it is, that is an awesome name. So the fabulous Katie Unicorn Stewart gave us a recent review on Apple Podcasts about the recent Governance Summit summary. So five stars for Take On Board, she says. Loved the recent Governance Summit summary podcasts. Super useful. Katie, happy to help. Thank you so much. And thanks for taking the time to do a review. So a little prompt for others that might be listening. I love it when I get reviews and you might get read out on the pod as well. So get in there and work out how to do ratings and reviews and let me know what you think of the pod. All right, on with the show. Hello and welcome to the Take On Board podcast, where we talk all things boards and governance. I'm your host, Halia Svensson. Being on a board can be interesting, valuable and exciting, yet it can also be really lonely, challenging and hard. So here at Take On Board, we'll bring you weekly tips, tricks and advice to help you build your governance wisdom. We'll shine a light on how to navigate your way onto your first board or to build your board portfolio. We'll also help you to work through those challenges that keep you awake at night. Each week, I'll talk to women who have been there, done that, and together we'll discover what we need to take on board to be your best in the boardroom. Today on the Take On Board podcast, I'm speaking to Sophie Gibbons about navigating an economy under stress and learning from working with distressed organisations. First, let me tell you about Sophie. Sophie supports organisations on their most ambitious and complex performance turnaround and transformation initiatives. Her role with Cordamentha Corporate means she works with boards when significant value is at risk. Most recently, Sophie acted as the co-administrator of South Australia's largest public healthcare network, working to deliver an ambitious turnaround of end-to-end financial, operational and cultural measures. Welcome to the Take On Board podcast, Sophie. Thank you very much, Halia. It's great to be with you. Sophie, before we talk about distressed organisations and navigating, you know, an economy under stress, as we seem to be at the moment, I would love to dig a little bit deeper about you. Tell me about your upbringing and what lessons you learned, what you got up to and what some of the leading influences were on you. A young Sophie and Sophie's upbringing. Well, uh, your listeners will probably hear pretty quickly, Halia, that I do have a bit of an accent. Um, I grew up in New Zealand. My parents still live in New Zealand. Most family still in New Zealand and actually in in the South Island in a town called Christchurch. Very beautiful spot for anyone looking to have a holiday when things open up to New Zealand. Oh, and aren't we all looking forward to that? Yes. Let's not speak too soon. Yes. Look, I'd describe the family environment that I was raised in as one that, you know, really loved learning. And it's, it's something I'm very grateful for. My parents were very focused on us, you know, trying and exploring new things. Um, you know, education and reading were big in our house. And I think a young Sophie was pretty curious, really. You know, I've never really been satisfied with high-level conclusions, if I can say that fascinated by how things work, fascinated by how people work and how people are motivated. And I think 
that's been something that's been incredibly important for me, that curious mind in my work. We're obviously entering organisations that we'll talk about throughout the podcast in many different sectors, many different industries, and having a natural sense of kind of curiosity by being fascinated by really what's going on is very is very useful and it means I, I really do love the work that I do. Early influences, I think, really were parents. And as a young woman growing up in New Zealand, when I look back, I was lucky enough really not to have any limitations placed around what I could do or who I could be, which um, is a very fortunate thing, I think. I have a father who's run his own business for many years very successfully, a real entrepreneurial family spirit, and a mother who is incredibly intelligent and intellectual. And so a curious mind with very few limitations, Halia, and that brings us to today, I guess. Absolutely. It's such a, it's a key you know, a skill for anyone in the boardroom or indeed in your line of work, working with people in the boardroom and those sorts of projects and programs, you know, just having that sense of curiosity and learning is such a fabulous tool to have in your toolkit. So today we are talking about, you know, navigating an economy under stress. And I should say we are recording this in the middle of August. I don't always timestamp the recordings that we do, but given what's going on in the world at the moment, um, it's often a useful thing to do. So yeah, we are recording mid-August, but Sophie and I are in Melbourne, so we are still currently in stage four uh, restrictions at the moment. Maybe by the time this gets to air, things will be a little bit different. In other parts of Australia and New Zealand, things are a little bit different. However, clearly we are in the middle of a kind of a global pandemic and that's not just a health crisis, it's an economic and social crisis as well. So navigating an economy under stress and what I'd love to talk to you about is, is you know, the learnings that you've got from working with distressed organisations. I know that you've worked with large public health care organisations. We heard about that in the intro. You've worked with retailers, you've worked with energy networks. I'd love to hear, I'd love to cover in this you know, what are the, some of the lessons that you've learned? And most importantly, what can boards do to avoid or minimise some of that stress? So where should we begin, Sophie? Where to begin? August 2020, certainly a year ago, we didn't think we'd be here. I work in a, a, what we describe as a turnaround and transformation team at Cordamentha. And what that really means is that we work with organisations who are facing very material performance issues. And we typically refer to that, as you've introduced, as organisations in distress. And they are a broad range of organisations. They can be corporate, public sector. We also work with financiers who have recently recapitalised organisations. But really, at the moment, we are in very unusual, uncertain and highly stressful times in the COVID-19 context. So boards, directors really are facing quite an unprecedented time. And, you know, by the end of the year, government stimulus packages have been signaled to end, all the things you've talked about in recent podcasts. And directors really need to have taken appropriate action to ensure that their organisations survive and, and really thrive going forward. 
And I think one of the kind of unique things about the environment currently, before we get into the themes of what we've learned from distress organisations is, you know, at the moment, even organisations performing well, or at the very least holding the line from a performance perspective, are actually having to navigate a market that's stressed. And that changes things that are important for all boards, not just those who are right at the peak of distress or potentially more dire consequences. And the things that it changes are things like demand from traditional markets. You know, it changes consumer confidence. It changes things like logistics, predictability of forecasting. It impacts profit and it impacts certainty of performance. And so for boards across the country, across the world, really, they are needing to interact and engage in a market of stress. And so things that we advise boards that we work with in distress become very relevant for a much broader set of organizations and boards. And look, you and I, Helia, have discussed in the past, you know, clearly that golden rule that boards need to stay in role from a from a governance perspective still applies. But inevitably, really, during times of great pressure and, and change, as we are in, in August 2020, the board will be at involved. And I think, you know, what's relevant here is that learnings from those organisations facing distress, those who are really struggling performance-wise that we would typically work with, are actually applicable for a broader range of boards at the moment. So I'm mm -hmm. um, very pleased to be able to share some of those learnings. So many things I already want to pick up on. Oh, there's a few things. So one is around that context that we're in and, and what that means for scenario planning. I'm, I'm hearing a lot from board directors that they, you know, in their strategic conversations, they want to be doing some scenario planning, but they're not quite sure where to start with that because the context is so uncertain. I'd also like to pick up on just the role of directors and kind of getting in a bit more and what that means for that line between governance and operational. Oh, so with those things in mind, I guess... You've said there's some themes coming out from what you've learned with organisations. What are those themes? I think that point that you raise, Helia, is very interesting in terms of that line between governance and operational, and perhaps we start there, do you think? Because, you know, one of the key themes or learnings from working with organisations in distress is that boards really do need to act more so as a forcing function during those times. But what we mean there is that the board needs to play more so than ever in um, distressed environments, the role of an agitator. And that's an agitator really in setting priorities, but it's also in setting ambition for an organization. So what we do know at the moment is that, you know, June, 2020, there were actually 47% to be specific, around 50%, lower formal insolvencies reported than the same month last year. And that's quite incredible, actually, given where we're at as a market in Australia. Um, it's almost unbelievable, Sophie. Almost unbelievable, but it is believable because one of the things that we know is that there are a huge amount of organisations who, who really have artificial revenues keeping them alive at the moment. Yeah. Um, and that's in the form of the stimulus packages that have been extended, relief from banks and other measures that we all know well after the last couple of months. 
So organisations have had these packages keeping them afloat. And what they're going to need to do if they're in that set of circumstances is something very drastically different to what they've done to date. Interestingly, this year, more than ever, really, they have cover and in some ways a level of community and even shareholder permission to make big, hard decisions in regards to the future of the organisation and, you know, the transformation or turnaround that that organisation needs to go through to make sure that they are in a position to survive, not just the four to six months that we all feared would be the time frame of the biggest COVID impacts, but potentially really for the next two to three years and beyond. Mm. So this concept of an agitator or acting as a forcing function becomes very important because the decisions or actions that organisations are going to need to take will likely need to be quite bold. Mm. And a good example of this is something that we're speaking with a lot of industries and organisations about at the moment. And that's the reality of resetting a cost base for the future. You know, left to their own devices, we would typically see organisations look towards broad brush programs, you know, 15% cuts across the board of an organisation in order to, you know, reduce the organisation's cost base to a sustainable level. And what we'd suggest here as a learning for boards in this environment is that that's really an outdated model. The, the cost out agenda needs to be set from the board down. Mm. And the board really needs to set the strategy for what in the organisation needs oxygen, what needs investment, and what organisation they're trying to create for the future. And it's likely in this case that the organisation is going to need to make ambitious decisions about where growth will come from or, you know, the type of organisation that needs to be crafted to be sustainable. Very different business models may need to be considered during this time. And investment, in fact, will need to be put into certain areas. And investment really gives organisations hope. So organisations who are going through distressed times who are likely in the middle of, you know, or potentially in the middle of things like redundancy programs, seeing that the organisation has a strong and bold strategy for the future, seeing that the organisation is investing in that future is actually fundamental for morale because organisations see a potential for the future and in distressed environments, the board and their governance accountabilities and their accountability to support the organisation to survive now, but also position for the future becomes hugely, hugely important. So it's um, not just a priorities question in some ways, not just about where we're cutting for sustainability, but where we are putting resources, taking them away and putting those resources, investing in that growth and it's so interesting to hear you talk about hope and optimism because they're not necessarily things that are in abundance in a lot of organisations at the moment. And, you know, thinking about the boardroom, we often talk about the tone coming from the top and maybe there needs to be some of that hope and optimism that comes from the boardroom about what the future might be for organisations as well. So thinking about hope and optimism, what have you seen from the boards in terms of you know, how that shows up in the boardroom and therefore how that shows up in organisations in dealing in these challenging circumstances. What what have you seen that's working well? Look, I certainly agree that optimism and hope come from the top and, you know, 
obviously we are seeing boards um, and the executives that they're supporting playing a key role in really setting north, what we would call a north star for the organisation in terms of the ambition of that organisation. Fundamentally, at the moment, however, what we're also hearing from boards that we're talking about is that future that we've discussed, that acting as an agitator, setting up and looking across the horizon to the future is fundamentally important. But what's also important is a laser focus on performance now and getting that balance right between acting as setting that North Star and executing on the governance accountabilities, but also survival now is the balancing act at the moment. And there's certainly some themes in terms of that focus on immediate performance, month to month performance from distressed environments, which move very quickly, are often very uncertain, that can be applied to the boardroom now. Hell yeah. And so touching on that, I'm just wondering about information that boards get as well in terms of this looking short term and looking longer term and looking at performance. What are you seeing around the information that boards are getting? Is it, are they getting too much? Are they getting too little? How do they get the balance right there? Yes, um, I think it's an incredibly relevant question. The concept of information, the right information is fundamentally important during distressed times. Mm. And what we often see in those times is that boards are actually governing in the dark, Halia, and you really can't measure or evaluate what you can't see. Mm. And so one of the things that we do work with um, organisations in distress and boards in distress on is turning the lights on in the organisation in regards to performance. And what that means in terms of information is, is a couple of things. And the first thing that I would say in regards to your question specifically is we advise organisations and boards to measure well. And what does that mean? Well, it means there needs to be an absolute focus on insight rather than volume. We do see organisations who are facing challenges, who are uncertain environments, getting a huge volume of reporting flowing up to the boards. I'm not sure if that's something that will resonate with you, Helia. And that's often coming from a good place. People are trying to cover bases at an executive and organisational level. And so they're forcing this information up and through to the board. But what we would advise is that quality reporting doesn't actually equate to volume of information. Mm. I remember vividly sitting next to the CEO in one of the first performance meetings that we were running of a large turnaround in the last couple of years. And I was looking down at the board table in front of me and I was looking at a 200 page monthly performance report that had been prepared by the organisation. And that was what the CEO and the incoming board, this organisation had a a new incoming board, was going to need to work through to really make a call about what needed to change, what could be stopped and what the focus and the priorities were. Mm -hmm. And I'm someone who works through performance reporting almost as a daily rite of passage. And I really found it incredibly difficult to understand or know from that pack, despite the volume of information, really how that organisation was performing and where all would end up if it continued on that performance trajectory. So the question I'd ask is how on earth would an incoming board know? 
what we tend to do in these environments and what I'd be recommending boards to be um, navigating towards is overhaul that reporting, get very clear on what matters around key performance indicators. In some sectors, public sector type environments, those KPIs or performance measures will be regulated or set. But for a lot of private and corporate organisations, that's up to the board and the organisation to agree. Get the right rhythm in place in terms of monthly performance sessions require that of the organisation so that the board can actually take the temperature in their governance role of performance in a meaningful way. And, you know, in this case, the example I've given, what we saw was quite interesting. The moment we condensed and prioritised what was being measured, we saw business leaders step up and put in place remediation efforts, focused remediation efforts around performance. And that flowed through to efficiency improvements and, and operational improvements, which is really important um, in, a, in an environment. So probably something that we see very commonly in organisations, too much information, Halia, would be what I'd say. And it sounds like that was not just too much information for the board. It sounded like it was actually too much information for the organisation as well. And once there was more transparency at the board level, it provided that impetus in, within the organisation. Absolutely. Just like you've mentioned, the focus flows down to the organisation as well as flowing up to the board. I confess I sometimes wonder whether board papers that are now available through iPads rather than the folders of information coming just encourages longer and longer and longer because the iPad weighs the same whether there's 700 pages or seven pages. Another challenge of virtual working, isn't it? You know, great benefits also come some limitations, but I guess at least on, a, on an iPad you can, you can navigate through sections, which is pretty useful. So, so staying on that information theme, Sophie, um, you know, and thinking about those KPIs and, you know, performance measures that put in place, um, you know, what else can you tell us from your experience that uh, boards should be on the lookout for there or, or should be picking up on? Quality of information that we've just discussed is incredibly important so that boards can make good quality decisions. And what we would say here in terms of advice from a distressed environment is that those decisions need to be made on the full picture. Again, in a stressed environment with a lot of information with quick decisions required, often we see organisations and boards blindsided really by kind of what I would describe as headline or single point performance metrics. So What's needed here is for a board to get a grasp on the full and joined up picture. And they really can't do that without the organization's support. You know, we've talked about that information flowing up from the organization. In times of stress, what we typically see is that individuals will defer to their areas of individual accountability, you know, for reasons that are quite obvious. And those individual areas of accountability often translate into quite siloed perspective and, and siloed reporting, yep. you know, it's quite hard to find in stressed environments a range of people who have a clear and linked up view of things that are important to boards, you know, overall cash flows, performance against budget in a meaningful way, where the board and the organisation is at in terms of covenants. 
Sometimes you'll find one person who has that full and clear view, and that may be the CFO, for example, but sometimes you'll find no one. And so that's pivotally important for the board to ensure that the teams that they're working with have an accountability for presenting that board with information in a way that the board can join the dots. Mm -hmm. That concept of kind of interdependent measurement of performance is, is fundamentally important. For example, in, in retail, it's on the front page of every newspaper. Often what you'll see is commercial teams, for example, who have a very legitimate focus on the things that matter to those teams, you know, things like sales volumes. But what about the cost of those goods that are being sold? Uh, what about margins? What about overall profitability? Looking at single point performance metrics actually ignores what truly matters to a board, which is being able to meet those financial debt obligations and being able to reinvest in the business for the future. So what we're encouraging here is um, for the board to insist or to support the organization to increase the visibility of performance in terms of the bottom line and in terms of the bigger picture. I would describe it as, you know, when all is said and done, are we delivering a loss in simple terms? Are we delivering gains? You know, why? Understanding the poorly performing parts of the business is actually as important as understanding your stars or the areas of the business which are um, delivering to expectation. Interestingly, what you find when you link up the bits of the organization or put together the pieces of the puzzle is that things that you thought that you were secure in as a board, like profit margins, for example, can actually erode when you look across an organization and think about all the cross-functional activity that's happening. Mm -hmm. We were working with an organization which had a very large, you know, several billion budget and they reported monthly, as they should, on that budget. But what evolved as we understood the organization and why they were not performing financially was that actually the executive reporting to that board and the leaders underneath that executive didn't trust that budget. And in many cases, day to day, actually didn't consider it. And, you know, comparing their performance, their financial performance against a forecast was largely meaningless to those accountable for the decisions being made. You know, as a result, those leaders completely disengaged with it and they were overspending every year hundreds of millions of dollars. So the means of measurement really provide no meaningful constraint on people's actions. And again, you really need to measure performance against something that's meaningful, against the full picture for that organization to engage in it, particularly during times of stress, when individuals rightly will struggle to know what the right decision is. There's been a number of examples in there, but both in that one and the one before about the too many pages in the performance report, it's giving, yeah, both the board and the organisation that information that they can properly engage with so they can make proper decisions around what is performing well and what is not performing well. That's right. Sophie, is, is there some other tools or sharper tools that boards should be considering at this time? I think the short answer to that, Halia, is yes. The kind of solvent turnaround strategies that we've discussed for boards earlier in this podcast you know, sometimes they're not going to be enough. If you as a board have six weeks, not six months to improve performance 
or to set a path in terms of how you will improve performance. Mm. You may need to consider a broader range of tools. And, and we would describe those just like you, ha you have as a sharper set of tools for the current times. In the eye of the storm, it's pretty difficult to look to tomorrow and, you know, almost impossible really for distressed organisations to look to the next six months or the next year at the moment. But really those who that survive and thrive are going to be the ones who look a little bit over the horizon and think and plan now that will really play, pay dividends. And if you think that there is a risk to ongoing performance and ongoing solvency, we are having many conversations in the market at the moment. And our key message really is that prudent boards are going to need to consider all the tools at their disposal in terms of their fiduciary responsibilities. And one of those, and we won't go into a huge amount of detail, I know, on this today, Halia, you've got other people who will speak to this. But one of those tools is voluntary administration. And look, clearly that sits at the sharper end of the distress um, continuum naturally in the current market. It's been talked about a lot. There are a lot of myths around voluntary administration, particularly in the Australian market. And you know, the concept that voluntary administration and that process is a career ender for board directors, that you know it irrefutably kind of damages reputation and that consumers won't touch the organization. Those are really common themes that come out when you start to talk about something like voluntary administration. Uh, it's not so much the case in the US, interestingly, it's kind of seen as a, a viable tool set for recapitalizing and repositioning organizations, but certainly in Australia it is. But mm. what we're also seeing in Australia um, and what I would encourage boards to be seeking out is a number of kind of cases of VA being used quite strategically to position um, an organization. We saw Network 10, which has now come through that and is um, has been repositioned through the VA process. Most prominently, though, probably um, and relevant to these times is Virgin Australia. Most of your listeners would have seen that the Virgin Australia CEO has been quite vocal in terms of coming at VA while there's still money in the bank and using it to set up for a better future for that organization. So really, you know, in terms of challenging some of their myths, those myths, there are certainly realities of VA in terms of loss of control of directors, and, and that does need to be acknowledged. But really, the theme that we see is that VA is best used when it's not left too late. The common theme of successful voluntary administrations is that they're planned. Mm. You know, we've seen 40 to 50% reduction of insolvencies year on year in June that we discussed again earlier in the podcast. And that's actually telling us that many boards are going to be forcibly confronted with the realities of some of these hard, tough decisions. And so what we'd be saying here is think about the toolkit that's available to you. Think about some of those sharper tools that you wouldn't otherwise be considering and get out in front of the planning. There's temporary relief at the moment for directors on insolvent trading laws. You know, now is the time to have a clear plan to face off against some of those harder decisions. Hell yeah. Oh, Sophie, we have covered so many useful things, I think, for boards to think about in this very difficult time. Um, what are the main points you want people to take away from the conversation that we've had today? Look, I think in terms of the fundamental challenges that boards are facing today, they are in many ways similar to a distressed environment. You know, we've referenced that uncertainty that 
the changing nature of the market, the stress that that places on an organisation, and some of the pressures around financials and, and demand. So the couple of things that we would really recommend to boards during this time, the first is consider your role as an agitator, consider your role as a forcing function for setting the ambition for where the organisation needs to go and get the balance right with that. At the same time as acting as that forcing function and ensuring that you're considering the ambition of the organisation, not just immediate priorities, really get a laser focus on performance and how performance is flowing to you in the organizations. Measure well, require in that insight, and ensure you're basing those decisions on the, on the full picture. Don't allow the board to be blindsided by headline performance metrics, understand how things link together, and um, require from the organization that they break down those functional silos and think about what this means to the organization overall. So is there a resource that you would like to recommend for the Take On Board community? There is, hell yeah. And I've shared the link with you, I believe. So that will be shared with the community. It's actually a a TED talk that my sister referred me to in the last couple of weeks, actually. I'm a lover of TED talks. I I like the the short and sharp nature of them. Mm -hmm. This one is a woman who actually now lives and works in Christchurch so I thought it was quite relevant Mm -hmm. and it is a woman who is very experienced in terms of the psychological concepts of resilience and I thought that that was quite an important and hopefully useful toolkit for the community at the moment really individually we're all facing stresses board members or not at the moment resilience and practical strategies for resilience are proven to support people in you know dealing with those stresses and working through uncertain difficult times and Lucy Hone who is the presenter of the podcast in this instance talks about you know some of her more difficult life experiences and how she has taken her learnings from her research and from her work in psychology and gives you three really pointed really practical strategies for how you can apply that that psychology to your life And it's things that anyone can do any day. They're really simple. And I think hopefully they will um, shed some light on positive and proactive things we can all be doing at the moment to cope. Well, we all need a little bit of that. So I will definitely make sure I put a link to that in the show notes so people can have a look at that as well. Oh, Sophie, thank you so much for sharing some of those, you know, just incredibly practical and useful insights for us from your experience. I know that it's going to be of enormous value to the Take On Board community. So thank you for being with us here today. Thank you so much, Halia. It was a real pleasure. So that's a wrap for the Take On Board podcast today. Thank you for being part of the conversation. As you know, I do this podcast because I love bringing good women together And I think we're stronger together. So as always, I'd love it if you could share this podcast with someone you know and ask them to subscribe. But this week, I've got a specific ask. I'm going to try an experiment for the next few weeks. Each week, I'm going to ask you if you can share this podcast with someone you know from a specific area. So this week, we're going to New Zealand. Do you know someone in New Zealand that would be interested in all things governance? That would like to hear the voices of women in the boardroom? If so, I would love it if you could share this podcast with them and ask them to subscribe. 
Thank you so much for being part of the Take On Board community and tune in next week for more tips and tricks on being your best in the boardroom.